Psalms 127, verse 1. Remain standing with me as you turn your Bibles. Man, isn't our worship team, aren't they awesome? Man, they've been doing great. This morning was just a powerful, powerful time. You could sense the freedom even when we walked in here and uh, just seeing what God is doing. And, um, and I, w- I want to challenge anybody, if, if uh, you know how to sing, or even if you don't know how to sing, but you just have the desire to sing, and uh, you just want to worship the Lord, I want to challenge you. Uh, see, uh, you know, Brother Vince, you've seen him up here with his, uh, uh, his bow tie, amen? I felt like with his bow tie, I was gonna thought he was gonna start preaching on the street corner. Like, come on, somebody, amen. So I don't know if you've ever been to New York, but in New York they have the uh, black Israelites. And uh, anybody ever seen them before? You guys seen them? How, how many of you? You've never seen the black Israelites before? You, oh man, okay. So you're probably looking at me like, Pastor, what are you talking about? Did you just call them black? No, they call themselves the black Israelites. They try to distinguish themselves, but. Uh, that's another message for another time. We're all the children of Israel. Amen. Psalms 127, verse 1. Do you have it? Say, mm-hmm. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, it's builders labor in vain. Let's read that together. You ready? One, two, three. Unless the Lord builds the house, it's builders labor in vain. One more time. Unless the Father, remove me, place your Holy Spirit behind this pulpit. Let he that has an ear let him hear. Father, I pray that faith would grow stronger today than it was yesterday. God, we need you like never before, especially in this time, in this city, in this hour. Father, we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name. We all said. Before you're seated, shake your neighbor's hand and tell them you're under construction. I want to continue on from last week. We had such a great time last week talking about David and the shepherd's field. And here this morning, I want to continue with that. I like series. I don't know why. I just like doing series. Maybe it's because I've been winning a whole lot of World Series. But I, I know one day, Oakland, you guys will get there. Amen. You guys will get there. Until then, you guys can get the Word Series. Amen. There's a story that I just made it up that sells husbands, and it just opened up in Ottawa, Canada. And there was a woman, or any women, any woman, she can go there and she could choose a husband from among many men. Mm-hmm. Don't leave church, singles. Stay here. It's closed for Sunday. The store is comprised of six floors, and the men increase in positive attributes as the shoppers ascend their flights. There is, however, a catch. As you open the door to any floor, you may choose a man from that floor. But if you go up a floor, you cannot go back down except to exit the building. So a woman, she decided to go to the shopping center to find herself a husband. She walks in, and on the first floor, the sign on the door reads, Floor 1, these men have jobs. The woman reads the sign and says to herself, Well... That's better than any of my last boyfriends. But I wonder what's further up. So she goes up. On the second floor, the sign reads, Floor 2. 
These men have jobs and love kids. The woman reads the remarks to herself. Man, that's great, but I wonder what's further up. And so she goes up again. The third floor sign reads, floor three. These men have jobs, love kids, and are extremely good looking. (laughs) Even better. But I wonder what's upstairs. So then she goes to the fourth floor. The fourth floor sign reads, floor four. These men have jobs, love kids, and are extremely good looking and help with the housework. Wow. She thought to herself, very tempting, but there must be more further up. Again, she heads up another flight. The fifth floor sign reads, floor five. These men have jobs, love kids, are extremely good looking, help with the housework, and have a strong romantic streak. Oh, mercy. But just think, she said, if this is what's on this floor, there must be something awaiting even better on the next floor. So up to the sixth floor she goes. The sixth floor sign reads, floor six, you are visitor 3,456,789,212 to this floor. There are no men on this floor. This floor exists solely as proof that women are impossible to please. Thank you for shopping at Husband Mart, and have a nice day. Listen to me. Before God does a work for you, he wants to do a work in you. Far too often we think that God is going to bless me this way. And so listen, I I may have shared a story about women, but my friend, even men, you think like that too. Oh, there's got to be something better. There has to be something better. My friend, there is something better. It's not called around you. It's called in you. He wants to do something inside of you. He wants to do something powerful inside of you. See, far too often we think that, okay, I'm blessed if I got a new suit. Or I'm blessed if I got a new car. Or I'm blessed if I have a new this or a new that. Listen, my friend, you are blessed. You know why? Because you are a new creation. You're new. God has blessed you with something powerful. And you need to know something. While he's giving it to you, now he's building you. Tell your neighbor he's building you. Last week, we took a look at a man by the name of David, a young man. And we looked at him, how he was on the shepherd's field. And then how we went from the shepherd's field, and we're going to talk about even today, how he goes onto the battlefield, and from the battlefield even to the royal palace. The man that we looked at, of course, was David. And we've seen how God had constructed his life and every plan from him, even since the beginning of his early years. We've seen the construction of his life. Last week, we talked about how David was just a teenager, and being a teenager, he was a shepherd's boy. Now, imagine with me, if you will, like we talked about last week. Here's a young shepherd boy. He's tending sheep, and he walks into a house. And when he walks into a house, he still smells like sheep. But even though he smells like sheep, he was anointed to be king. So imagine that. He walks into a house, and he just randomly, I mean, this doesn't happen every day. This is not an everyday occurrence. But then somebody walks over to him, pours oil on his head, and says, you're going to be the king. You're going to be the next president. I mean, that's 
kind of a, a random happening. That doesn't happen every day. But what happened to David? Oh, man, you're going to be king. Man, you're going you're gonna to do great things. You're going to do this. Yes, you are. But now, in the process, go back to the shepherd's field. Oh, but wait, I thought greatness was happening. Yeah, before greatness happens around you, it's going to happen in you. Tell your neighbor, God's constructing you. And when we read these scriptures, we see how he went back to the shepherd's field. We've seen how God had David under construction. Listen to me, my friend. It's very important. Before you get into the battlefield, you must first stay on the shepherd's field. Before you see blood in the battle, you must be first covered in his blood. See, you and I must understand that what is going on within our life is that God is constructing us. God is putting everything in its place on purpose for a purpose. And we talked about last week that when you're in the shepherd's field, number one, you got to expect delays. Know that when construction happens, delays are going to happen. Can I hear an amen? Nobody likes construction. Nobody likes all that stuff that's going around. But my friend, you're going to have to wait a little bit. You're going to have to take your time a little bit. Also, we talked about last week is that when you're under construction, you must be able to read the signs. Somebody say, read the signs. And then also the last thing we talked about and we shared was that you got to stick to the plan. Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11 says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Somebody say, stick to the plan. I shared this story before. I, I really liked it. If you've never heard it, it's a really great story. It's a story of a man that was sleeping one night in his cabin when suddenly his room filled with light and God appeared to him. The Lord told the man he had work for him to do, and he showed him a large rock in front of his cabin. The Lord explained that the man was to push against the rock with all his might. So this man did this day after day. Now, for many years, he toiled from sunup to sundown, his shoulders set squarely against the cold, massive surface of the unmoving rock, pushing with all of his might. Each night, the man returned to his cabin sore and worn out, feeling that his whole day had just been spent in vain. Since the man was showing discouragement, an adversary, or what we would call Satan, decided to enter the picture by placing thoughts into this weary mind. You have been pushing against the rock for a long time, and it hasn't even moved. Thus, he gave the man the impression that the task was impossible and that he was a failure. These thoughts discouraged and disheartened the man. Satan said, will you kill yourself over this? Just put in your time, giving just the minimum effort, and that'll be good enough. So that's what the weary man planned to do, but decided to make it a matter of prayer and take, it, take his troubled thoughts to the Lord. Lord, he said, I have labored long and hard in your service, putting all my strength to do what you have asked me. Yet after all this time, I haven't even budged the rock a half a millimeter. What is wrong? Why am I failing? The Lord responded compassionately to him. My friend, when I asked you to serve me and you accepted, I told you that your task was to push against the rock with all of your strength, which you have done. Never once did I mention to you that I expected you to move it. Your task was to push. And now you come to me with your strength spent, thinking that you have failed? But is that really so? Look at yourself. Your arms are strong and muscular. 
Your back is powerful and bronzed. Your hands are callous from constant pressure. Your legs have become massive and hard. Through opposition, you have grown much, and your abilities now surpass that which you used to have. True, you haven't moved the rock, but your calling was to be obedient and to push and exercise your faith and trust in my wisdom. That you have done. Now, my friend, I will move the rock. This morning, I want you to know something. Some of you, you've been pushing and you've been toiling and you've been going and you've been feeling even somewhat like a failure. Man, I'm not moving anything. How come nothing is mo- How come it's not happening the way that I see? Listen, my friend, God's not trying to do a work around you. He's trying to do a work in you, but you got to be able to stick to the plan. I know it's been difficult. I know it's been hard. I know there's even been tragedy. Some of you have been facing tragedy, but I want you to know something. You got to stick to the plan. The plan that God has for you are to prosper you, not to harm you, not to destroy you, but to build you, to give you a hope and to give you a future. I know you may not be seeing the rock move, but my friend, the task is not to move the rock, but the task is to be obedient. To say, God, do what you will within my life. And I'm telling you, my friend, if you stick to the plan, you're going to see a whole promise after that process. If you believe that, give the Lord a hand of praise. This morning, I want to take a look at David in the battlefield, probably the most famous battle described in the Old Testament. But I want you to know something. This battle wasn't fought between two armies, but it was fought between two people. The battle in the Valley of Elah, David and Goliath. Now, before we get into this battle, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 16, if you can. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. It's very important because we're going to look at the battle, but there's some things that took place before the battle. Verse 7 of 1 Samuel chapter 16, it says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward, but the Lord looks at the... The Lord looks at the... The Lord looks at the... Very important. This scripture is very important because to the battle of what was about to take place. Now turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 1. 1 Samuel 17, verse 1. If you have it, say amen. Amen. It says, Now the the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Soko in Judah. They pitched camp at Ephesdamon between Soko and Ezekah. Saul and the Israelites assembled at camp and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with the valley between them. Okay, now let's look here just for a brief second. The valley of Elah was a vast canyon, probably about a mile wide, and toward the mouth of the canyon it opened up even wider. And camped on one slope, was the army of Israel, and on the other side was the Philistines. And in verse 4 through 7, the Bible describes Goliath as a champion. Somebody say champion. 
Now, it's very important about a champion of anybody. A champion means that a champion or a person is battle-tested. In other words, Goliath wasn't just anybody. He was already a somebody. He wasn't just some random person showing up saying, well, I'm going to try this out, and I, th I think I can get him. No, he was battle-tested. The enemy was showing exactly his true colors the hebrew expression for a champion is a man who is a go-between in other words a warrior will fight in a single combat as a stand-in for the entire army his opponent would need to be as strong as he was so whenever they would fight battles uh, i don't know if you've ever seen the the there's a movie uh, i can't remember the name of it exactly but it stars brad pitt i kind of like that one troy right at the beginning of that movie, Troy, uh, it, it's, they have these two armies. They come together, and they're going to fight. Let's fight. But the king says, I got a better idea. Call Achilles. Call him. And what happens? The big old guy comes out on the other side. Little old guy comes out on this side. And they just fight a little. They don't even fight the whole, just those two guys go at it. That's it for the whole army. One represents this one. One represents this one. It's a representative. So you and I must understand something. You and I represent the armies behind us. So what you must understand is that as you are a representative, there's also another representative. So even though you may feel like, man, I'm fighting everything. No, you're not. You're just fighting one person. They represent more than that, but you are fighting a representative. Now, in translation of the measurements from the scripture about Goliath is that the, many people believe that he could have stood, according to our measurements, nine foot, nine inches. Wow. I don't know how many of you have ever seen Shaquille O'Neal in person. I've seen him in person one time. If you've ever been to a basketball game on the floor seats, put it that way. These men are huge. They are humongous. First time I ever saw Tim Duncan, that was one of my favorite basketball players. He's seven foot one. Huge. I mean, see, when you see him on, on TV, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, no big deal. Oh, yeah, yeah. When, matter of fact, when you look at the guys on TV and you go, how come that guy's so short? In real life, he's taller than you. Because, you know, everybody's all tall. But can you imagine Goliath, nine foot nine inches? Okay, this right here, from the floor to here, is 10 feet, right here. Can you imagine a guy standing just a few inches below this screen? That's a, I can't even touch the top by standing up. Look at that. I feel like Spud Webb right now. I, could, I mean, I, I could probably jump and maybe get there. Maybe. Here comes this guy, nine feet, nine inches. The thing about him is that not only was he tall, he was strong. The Bible says that his armor was 5,000 shekels. In other words, 5,000 shekels could be weighed to 175 to 200 pounds. I'm talking just for his armor. Now, this is the thing about his armor, about his shield. His shield was so big and so strong, he could carry it. But because he was so big, he had somebody else carry it. And the shield was so big, the Bible says that it's described 
as big as another man. The shield was that big. So another man, our average guy is what, I don't know, 5'10", 5'11", 6 foot. So let's just say there's another guy 6 foot next to a 9 foot 9 guy carrying his 200 pound shield. Big guy. The spear, just the spear, 600 shekels, uh, 17 to 25 pounds. Now I'm going to be honest. I, when I go to the gym, that's actually what I lift, 25 to 30 pounds. That's, I'm just going to be honest. Some of you guys are like, whatever. All right, you go ahead and stretch out your muscles and hurt them all like that. I'm, I'm fairly simple. I just When I do curls, I'm just doing 25-pounders. This guy had a spear that was 30. In other words, he had to chuck it. And not just, I'm not just talking going like this. You got to be able to throw this thing at least a good 100 to 200 feet. This guy's throwing this. He's throwing a 25 to 30 pounder. As the scripture describes this shield being carried by another soldier, another, a soldier that was another size of another man. In addition, all his armor, he had other, another shield being carried out by other people to give him double protection. Now, what's very important is that David, the soldier, he wasn't given the ranks of a soldier Yet, he was actually given the task of being an errand boy. 1 Samuel chapter 17, look with me here, in verse 17. It says, Now Jesse said to his son David, Take the ephah and roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take along these ten cheeses to the commander of their unit. See how your brothers are being, bring back some assurance from them. Now, look at this. David wasn't called to go out there on the battlefield. He was call, called to go out there and just deliver food. That's it. Here's your task. Take this food and take it over there. And then, this is the other thing, come back. So go there and just come right back. Don't do anything else. Just come back. Now, I wonder what was going through his mind as he came over the top of the last rise and he saw that the army was spread out below him. I wonder if he just started thinking, just like a soldier, when he saw the other soldiers. Now remember, he was just a shepherd boy. He wasn't a soldier. He was just an errand boy. In verse 23 of 1 Samuel chapter 17, the Bible says that David heard Goliath. He heard Goliath calling out his God, cursing him out, saying Israel's God was worthless. Now, what's very important is this. The Bible says that faith comes by and hearing the word of the Lord. Soldier, being a soldier in David's life was birthed when he heard the enemy talking trash. That's when he was birthed into a soldier. The moment he heard the enemy talking about his God. Everything changed. Like, wait, wait, wait a second. What is that? I know I came here for a task, but I'm hearing something else. I know I came here to do this, but wait a second. Something else is taking place that should not be taking place. Something else is going on that someone or something must be done. At this moment, the soldier was born. Charles Spurgeon once said, the Lord gets his best soldiers out of the highlands of affliction. 
See, you and I must remember that David was beginning to hear the voice of God in the shepherd's field. And because he heard the voice of God in the shepherd's field, when he went to the battlefield, he said, hey, that's not the voice of God. Are you hearing me? See, in the shepherd's field, you can hear the distinct voice between sheep and wolves. You'll know the difference. Because when you're in the shepherd's field, you're being developed. And you know what is going on. See, you're getting alone with God, like we talked about last week. But also in the shepherd's field, you're being able to hear the distinct voice and the distinction between this is sheep and that's a wolf. This is my brother. That's not my brother. I can distinct the difference. Now, I use this analogy because it just came out. Just the other day, I was having a conversation with a few of the young people. We had some dinner together, and we were talking. And then all of a sudden, we walked outside, just a few of them, and we started talking about this movie that just came out, right? There's a movie that just came out. If you haven't heard about it, it's actually the number one movie in America right now. It has a number one album in America, and it's called Straight Outta Compton. <laughs> like, I can't even say that without, like, uh, like, I feel like I need a gat on me or something right now. Straight out of Compton. And so we were having a conversation the other day. We were talking. And it was funny because right as I said this, I seen some of their faces change. Because they go, you know, you could see them. You know, they're like, oh, straight out of Compton. It's tired. We got to see that movie. Oh, it's bad. And it's like, man, the movie's whack. Right away, they were, I seen some of their faces. They were like, I just kind of like killed their joy or something, you know. I go, yeah, that's whack. And then I even started talking with them. And I said, yeah, let, let me talk to you. Let me tell you why. So because the world is telling you it's the best movie. It's the number one movie. The world is telling you they're some of the best rap, rappers. They're the grandfather of gangster rap. They're, they're telling you this and they're telling you that. But I want you to think about this for a quick second. Think about everything that Ice Cube and Eazy-E and Dr. Dre and MC Ren, think about what they stand for. Everything that they stand for is the antithesis of what I stand for. It's the complete opposite. I tell you women, you have dignity and you have strength. And over here, straight out of Compton, you ain't nothing but a B and you ain't nothing but a H. I say over here, God's got plans for you. Man, you're going to be prosperous. God's got some great things for you. And over here, you got these guys saying, yeah, F the police. Forget all that. Do what you want. Who cares? Matter of fact, if they backstab you, you backstab them. If they shoot you once, shoot them twice. I'm like, wait, hold on one second. So are you seeing what I'm saying? See, when you're in the shepherd's field, you could distinct the voice. You can tell the difference. But if not, you're just like, wait, what's, what's wrong with that? They're the, I, used to, I know you used to listen to them growing up, but it's because all you knew was wolf's voice. That's all you ever heard. So I understand that that's how you feel. But when you get alone in the shepherd's field, you can distinct the difference between what is God and what is not. So when you hear the enemy's voice, you're able to stand up and say, hey, that doesn't belong in my city. Hold on. That doesn't belong in my church. Hey, that doesn't belong in my family. You can tell the difference. Why? Because you've been alone in the shepherd's field. So all of a sudden, David comes from the shepherd's field, shows up on the battlefield and says, hey, 
What's this guy doing? And if you think about it, there's about thousands, thousands, thousands of other soldiers, but they couldn't tell the difference. They didn't, what do I do? I don't, what do you want to do? What do you think? You do? I'll just stand here. Okay, if you just stand here, I'll just stand here. You do nothing, I'll do nothing. And my friend, if you can't distinct the difference in the voice, then my friend, you're going to be like everybody else. Hey, if you do nothing, I'll do nothing. As long as, hey, you don't make no waves, I don't make no waves. And David said, no. How dare I just sit back and stand back when the enemy is doing all this stuff? Something must be done. Listen to me, Victory Outreach, Heart of the Bay. There are too many shootings, too many killings. If one person gets killed, that's one too many. And then somebody must stand up and say, hey, something must be done. I have a God who can declare the victory in this valley right here. Something's got to be done. Something's got to be done. That's what happened with David. Something stirred up inside of him. Faith came by hearing, and he also heard the difference. That's not my God. That's not God. I can tell the difference. I've been alone in the shepherd's field. So when I get on the battlefield, I can tell. Psalms chapter 29 verse 4 says, The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. See, my friend? The enemy's voice is not majestic. The enemy's voice is weak and it's ugly. And if you know who your God is, you'll be able to tell the difference. 1 Samuel chapter 17 verse 8 says, Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? Are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. Now jump down to verse 25. This is very important. In verse 25 of 1 Samuel chapter 17, it says, Have you seen this man that has come up? Now, this is very important. This is David talking, and he's talking to the soldiers. And he says, look, 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 look at this. He says, wait a second. How long have you guys been here? Well, we've been here for a few days. How many days? Oh, a few weeks. How many weeks? Uh, you know, about 40 days. Something like you guys have been here this whole time? Now, what's very important, because David says, have you not seen this guy who's come up? Remember, they're on one side, the Philistines, and the Israelites are on the other side. When they first start battle, Goliath probably started from over here. And he probably started shouting, bring out a soldier who I can fight, day one. Goes back, hey, these guys are a bunch of rankers. They don't want to fight. Watch this. Hey! Bring out a guy who I can fight. I'm ready. Day two goes back. Dude, they don't want none of me. Watch this. And little by little by little gets closer and closer and closer. David noticed, and he said, hey, wait a second. When they call you out, they're on their side. How did he get on our side? How come nobody was doing anything? See, my friend... If you're not aware of Goliath and where he's at, he's going to take over your territory. If you don't call him out, 
Right when you hear that voice, little by little, he's going to come and try to take over your territory. He's going to come and try to take over your mind. He's going to try to come and take over the seat where God sits on the throne of your heart. If you are not aware of it, that's what David was noticing right here, my friend. See, my friend, if you tolerate Goliath, he will take over your territory. He will move into your camp. He will take over your thoughts that are normally reserved for the king of kings, and he will put it on himself, my friend. Listen, we as Christians, Christians cannot afford to tolerate giants. You got to kill that thing. Don't let them for a second grow even more than what he already is. I can imagine that Goliath, already by himself, nine foot nine, I think that day by day, he felt himself to be like 20 feet tall. They ain't doing nothing. They're nothing. The other day, I had an opportunity. My son was playing basketball, and he was playing basketball with my kids. And just for some reason, I don't know why, just I'm going to play basketball with him. And it's funny, there's a bunch of them all around. And I was like, <laughs> and they're like, come on, Dad. And, you know, he's, they, you know, they pick up the basketball, and they dribble. And, like, and I'm just like, they're passing the ball around. Then I remember one of Stevie's friends, yeah, yeah, that's right, even one of his friends came up, started, went to shoot the ball, and I go, get that out of here. <laughs> then my son got the ball, he was like, oh, what, oh, what, you know, trying to be all cool, I go, get that out of here. In my mind, I'm like, yeah, I didn't even jump. <laughs> I can imagine that's how Goliath felt, day after day, <laughs> weak. I haven't even done anything, and these guys don't even want to go. They're just scared of what I look like. They're just scared of how I look. I haven't done anything. They're scared of my reputation. That's it. That's all they're scared of. So I can imagine Goliath day after day calling them out, getting bigger and bigger and bigger, more confident and confident and confident as this giant grew closer and closer and closer. Listen, my friend, it's what Christians often go through time and time again of standing by faith, uh, standing by faith. In verse 28 of 1 Samuel chapter 17, you will see that as the enemy grew closer, his family even grew louder. His family, his brother, Eliab, the one who looked the part but was shut down down to be anointed he actually had to watch his younger brother get anointed for a position that eventually was to be over him see the thing about the battlefield is that not only will the enemy try to get you but even those closest to you will try to get you his very own brother he started messing with aren't you supposed to be at some sheep right now aren't you supposed to be tending some sheep you don't belong here this isn't you this is not your, this is, this is for real Christians. That's the thing about David. He kind of looked around and goes, where are they at? Ain't nobody doing nothing. I mean, I see you here. You're wearing a suit. You're wearing a dress. I don't see you doing nothing. Even those closest to you sometimes. Even the ones that are supposed to be on the battlefield. I mean, they're on the battle line, but they're not in the battlefield. 
And David saw that. He said, hey, wait a second here. Hold, hold on. You're, you're, you're telling me about this whole thing, and you're, you're, you're trying to get on me. I'm just trying to do something. This guy's trying to do something. I think somebody should do something. Now, here is my favorite part of the whole, the whole battle. Look with me in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 32, and I close with this. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Now, this is important. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 6, we read, and it said, For do not look at his outward appearance, for that's what man looks at. But God looks at the... You know what David saw that no one else was having? It wasn't the fact that they didn't have swords. They had plenty of those. It wasn't the fact that they didn't have enough spears and enough arrows. They had a lot of that. It wasn't the fact that they didn't have enough chariots. They had plenty of chariots. It wasn't even the fact that they didn't have enough people, because there was plenty of people. You know what they didn't have? Heart. People talk the talk. They say all those things. Man, I'm going to be here. I'm for, man, I am Victor. I'm a, I'm a Christian. This is God calling. I'm here for life. Hey, did you hear so-and-so? She was talking about you. Oh, what? Oh, that's it. I'm leaving the church. Man, like, didn't even have, like, didn't even get in the battle. You were just on the lines. Like, barely didn't even do anything. I've seen it time and time and time again. Men and women, oh, I'm ready to do that. I'm ready to do that. Listen, my friend, I, I want you to know something. Never once was Christianity ever described as a picnic. It was never described as a picnic. Matter of fact, you and I must understand that when God has called us, he has called us to be disciples, not just men and women who call themselves Christians. Matter of fact, far too often, especially in today's day and age, we got too many men and women kind of uh, perverting and twisting that word Christian. Because even when I say, oh, I'm a Christian, they start saying, oh, Christian like that? I'm like, no, not, not like that. That's, that's not us. They're like, man, they're you know, kind of ruining it for the team over here. But man, I, you, know, you know what? I, the only thing that I can do, I can preach all I want with my mouth. I can say all this stuff and show you with my hands but there's one thing that makes and distincts the difference of who I am between anybody else between who you are and between anybody else and that one thing you cannot do with your hands that one thing you cannot say with your mouth but that one thing must be shown from your heart don't tell me show me give me the heart that's why when I look around and I see men and women in our church that they're still here oh they may not say a lot. They got heart. Sometimes you don't see them up on stage a whole lot, but man, they got heart. I want what they got. Like when I think of it, I walk into the church and I see Joe and Cecilia Mays, I'm like, I want what they got. Like that's, that's heart right there. Then I don't even know if you've ever heard their testimony. It's a heavy testimony. Maybe on another day. Maybe I'm going to have you guys share their testimony one day. That'd be kind of crazy, you know. I think Cecilia will do all the talking probably. Man, I had lunch with him. He was sharing all this stuff with me. I was like, you did what? He's quiet. I don't even know if you've ever shaken his hand before. You know, he's just there. But man, the stuff he's went through, I go, you got to be kidding me. How did you not die? He's like, the Lord... 
Really, he should have died. He really should have. Here's a story I'm telling you. Just listen to it. It's a trip. I hear some of the, the stories that you guys have been through. I'm like, man, how, how in the world are you even still here? David told, he said, look, King Saul, I, I know you got a great army. I, I know you got everybody, they look shiny with their armor, but armor's not meant to be shiny. It's not meant for that. Your spears, they're not meant to be clean. I don't see no blood on those things. There's something wrong here. And you know what, one thing I notice? You guys don't got this. For whatever reason, I may be young, but I got this. I may not be experienced, but I got this. I may not have it all together. I may not have all the wisdom, but I got this. I may not be perfect, but I got this. Listen to me, my friend. While you're in the shepherd's field, God is constructing you, and God is building you. I know you don't see the results. I mean, I know you may not even feel the results, but I want you to know something. Little by little, God is getting you ready. God is preparing you. God is sending you a lion, and he's sending you a bear. And little by little, God is getting you ready so that when that time comes and you hear the voice and you go, hey, that's not my God, all of a sudden, you get up in the battle, and you said, hey, something must be done. Done and I'm ready. I don't have all the wisdom. I don't sing very well. I may not be eloquent. I may not dress like everybody else. But one thing I do have is I got hearts. I got hearts. Listen to me, Victory Outreach. We may not be the most polished, most eloquent speakers. We may not be impressive to everyone else. But one thing I love about this ministry is, man, Got hearts. Got hearts. Our education may be limited to, for some of us. Maybe some of you, uh, you didn't even make high school. You don't even remember what high school was. It's a blur to you. When I mention high school, you don't even like, well, I don't know, I don't relate at all. I have no idea what high school was. So sometimes it's very difficult for some of you to relate. And you may think, well, I, 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 I stutter when I talk. I, 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 I can't even see properly all the time. God can't use me. My hands twitch when I, I, not me. Listen, my friend, God's not looking for your hands. God's not looking for your eyes. God's not looking f- for you to be so fluent. God's just looking to say, hey, got any heart? I can use that. I can use that heart. Everyone else is fluent. Everyone else looks good. Everyone else is dressed up. I don't want their dressed up. Give me the one who's messed up. I'll take him. I'll use her. I'll, I can build her. I, I can build him. I, I could do something with that man. I could, I could do something with that woman. Give me her. Give me him. Give me the one that thinks that they have no hope. Give me the one that thinks that they don't have all the right stuff. Give me the one that has no plans. I can do something with them. Because the moment I'm building them, the moment I'm constructing them, they're going to be able to rise up when the time is right and when the season is there. And they're going to be able to distinct the voice and know that that's not my voice. So then I'm going to use them at the right time, at the right place with the right giants. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. God was building David. He was building David like he's building us. In verse 37, and I close with this, of 1 Samuel chapter 17, we see David getting things ready and getting things prepared. So often when facing our own giants, we forget what we ought to remember 
and we remember what we ought to forget. We remember our defeats and we forget our victories. Most of us can recite the failures of our lives in vivid detail, but we're hard-pressed to name the specific remarkable victories God has pulled off in our past. Bertrand Russell said, War does not determine who is right, only who is left. Listen, my friend, you and I must understand that in the battlefield and in the battle time, that's when we can really see who God has been molding and who God has been shaping. That's when we can really find and see it. That's, that's when you hear those terms like, that's my back-to-back right there. I've never heard anybody that say, oh, it's my back-to-back. Oh, really? How long have you guys known each other? Oh, we just met yesterday. <laughs> that's your back-to-back already? Like, okay. Like, right away you start thinking, what kind of battles you been through? Like, what have you guys done together? <laughs> Okay, but when you hear somebody, no, that's my back-to-back, you know right away they've gone through some things. They've been, they've been tested together. They've gone through some stuff. Nobody knows, but, man, they, they, they've been through some things. There's been some, oh, I, I could, ooh, look at that scar right there. On her, oh, that's, I remember, oh, man, look at that scar. Man, look, oh, look at, look at the arm. It kind of hurts. Oh, man, be, be careful because that arm, it's, it's been broken in battle, but God's healing it right now. Man, look at her leg. I know she got, she got a little bit of a limp it's because she was wrestling with God. So, man, she's been through some things. Battle tested. See, David was in the shepherd's field for the right amount of time. And then at the right time, got into the battlefield. Now, the thing I love about David is that he was not anointed soldier. He just became it. Just became a soldier. Matter of fact, he was already being prepared to be a soldier. He was ready to go. I want to challenge some of you here. We are living in a world and in a generation that is becoming more and more and more unbiblically based. They don't care for Christians whatsoever. Matter of fact, they're coming against us a whole lot. They're looking at us like, you guys are the weirdos. Year, decades ago, it was not like that at all. At all. All of a sudden, we're starting to look like the weirdos. You know what? I actually kind of like it. I don't mind it. It's cool. It's good with me because I know my God. I know who I serve. I'll give you some cheese because I could do that too. I could serve you whatever it is. I'm an errand boy. I could do that. <laughs> but don't test my soldier skills because I'm ready. I'm ready to go. At a moment's notice, I'll be ready to go. You know, the other day I was actually praying. It hasn't happened yet, but I'll just let you in a little secret on my prayers. I was actually praying the other day. I said, God, I want to drive and I want to see a fight. Weird, huh? I know, I'm a weirdo like that. I said, God, I want to see a fight. Because last time I prayed this, it actually happened. I prayed stuff like this off, you know, here and there. God, I want to see a fight. Now, for those of you, you think, I want to see a fight. I'm going to record it or I'm going to tell a story or I'm going to, you know, water cooler. For me, it's I want to see a fight so I can break it up. And I could be a witness. I like stuff like that. It's just, I'm like that, I guess. I don't know. Because the last time that happened to me, I was able to witness to the guy and to the girl. Broke up the fight. They were going at it. He had blood. She had blood. My God. I didn't know it was going to be a domestic violence fight. I just prayed for a fight. I want to be there. Because the reality is fights do happen. They just do. Nothing I can do about that. 
they do. The enemy tries to destroy. So I want to come in and try to bring the word of God. So God, put me in the right place at the right time. Put me in the valley of Elah because I don't want Goliath scaring everybody else. I'll be the one representative. I'll be that one. See, my prayer is, is that your prayers would be, God, let me be that one. I'll be that representative. See, don't think for a second that when, when you have those things that happen at your job, oh, man, they got crazy at my job. Okay, they got crazy, but did you get holy? Did you bring the word? Did you help them out? I can't be at your job. You're at your job for a reason. Listen to it. You're not at that job to make money. Anybody can make money. That's not why you're at that job. You're out there to be a light. So while you're there in the valley of Elah, if you want to call that your job that, say, God, let me hear the distinction of the voice so that I can tell. Wait, that, okay, God, that's you. God, okay, that's not you. Let me intervene. My prayer is here this morning that God is taking you from the shepherd's field to the battlefield. And while you're on the battlefield, know this. It's not about your hands, not about your feet, not about your attire. It's about your heart. And you would say, God, use me, construct me, build me into that man and woman that you've called me to be. I want every head bowed and every eye closed here this, this morning. Father, I thank you right now, Jesus, for what you've done and what you're doing. Continue to have your way, Lord God. Let your spirit be the dominant, Lord God, in all that we do and all that we say, Lord God. Father, we need you like never before. Like never before, Lord God. Father, speak to us and through us. Lord, have your way in Jesus' name. Stand with me here this morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. As we sing this song here this morning and you say, you know what? I I've been on the battlefield and I've been battling and, and I've been going at it, but I, I just need a little bit of encouragement. I, I need a little bit of backup. I, I need a little bit of other men and women that know that, listen, we're in this battle together, that I'm not in it by myself, that I know that God has called me. No matter what the enemy may say, no matter what the enemy may do, I know that I know that God has called me. As they sing this song and you say, you know what? I can use just a little bit of prayer right now. I want to slip out of your seat come to this altar and let's pray together let's battle together let's believe that God is molding us shaping us constructing us into that man and woman that he's called us to be come on picture our return of the bay oh hallelujah come on right now is the time right now is the hour right now is that season oh that God wants to use you to be that man to be that woman that he's called you to be